the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. By the way, get this. Now, this series, we'll talk about this in a second, and it's related, I think, in a way to the writer's strike that's going on in Hollywood. I asked ChatGPT, you know what that is? It's the Artificial Intelligence program that people are talking about, and you're probably hearing about it, and you need to, and I'm going to give you some reasons why you need to understand this. It's a huge deal. I asked ChatGPT to write me an episode of The Office. Remember The Office was on a while ago? You probably watched that show. It's one of my favorites. And I also asked it to write an episode of Seinfeld. Both shows I miss, and I still watch the reruns. Probably many of you do too. And you know what? The episodes are pretty good, and it took like 30 seconds, and suddenly I have a brand new episode of both of those shows. I don't know. I think Writers Guild and also other professions, even the medical profession, people are saying, has some serious trouble. I'm going to want to know what you think about it. The number here to join the conversation is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You can also send me an email at pastorscott at kkla.com. I have tons of emails, and I get back to you when I can. I do read them, though, so uh, I will get back to some of you. Some of you I can't. There's just too many, but I do get back to you. 888-528-2557, or I do read them. All right. Uh, writer's strike for the first time in about 15 years uh, has hit and uh, is going on here in Southern California. Screenwriters begin picketing Hollywood studios as the WGA officially goes on strike. Picketers will be out in force at virtually all of the major studios starting this afternoon. Have you seen that? There's picketers all over the place at Warner Brothers, at Paramount, and... uh, uh, the other studios that are out there. And uh, you know what? I think there's some probably good reason that the writers have when I listen to some of the complaints. One of the problems is inflation. And what happens with inflation is that the prices of everything go up and wages tend to not rise as quickly. And so that's affecting all of us in one way or another, right? You are spending a whole lot more of your income today than you were a year ago. And maybe your income is going up. looks like incomes are going up, but they're not going up as fast as inflation. That means you're making less money. And for the Writers Guild, I'm sure that's true. But the other part is that the industry is definitely changing. It's not as many TV shows. How many of you, I wonder, don't even have cable TV, or even if you do, how many of you watch like primetime television? Remember that was the that was the huge thing. If you're old enough to remember, right? Must see TV. It was a Thursday night. You didn't go anywhere. You watched TV, and uh, you know there's different eras of that. When I was a little kid, there was it was Friday night TV. You know we watched the we watched Wonder Woman at eight, The Incredible Hulk at nine o'clock, and The Dukes of Hazard at ten o'clock. And I mean, that was every Friday. Everybody stayed home to do that. And at one point there was, there was what? There was a Cosby show. And then there was, uh, what was next? Was it Cheers? Family Ties. Cosby show, Family Ties, Cheers, and then Night Court. And then L.A. Law. 
if you stayed up that late, if your parents let you stay up that late, I was a kid. There's always do we do that anymore? I don't I don't watch any network network shows like that. A few things online here and there. I don't have time for it, I guess, and I got kids and maybe that's the difference. But the world is changing. The industry is changing. And that happens in every industry. Okay, wherever you work, there are changes that are coming. It's possible that chat GPT, artificial intelligence, is going to speed along change in a way that we've never seen. In fact, many of the people, even who have been involved in programming this, have been saying this is a major concern, that it could upend the job market. Right, so we, we need to know about this. And if you're a worker, you, you should probably begin to understand how this might change what your job actually is. Let me give you an example. The, I, I asked ChatGPT to write me an episode of The Office. Okay, you know that program's The Office, and uh, it was set in a paper company called Dunder Mifflin in Scranton, Pennsylvania's hilarious show. You don't necessarily have to know all of it to get this, but I asked it to, to write an episode of the program. And this is what I said. I said, write me an episode of The Office where Michael and Toby enter into a boxing contest only to fight each other for the championship of the Scranton Boxing Association. That's it. That's all I told it. I didn't tell it what The Office was. I didn't tell it about any other characters. I didn't say anything about how they interact. I just said, write me an episode of The Office where this happens. And this is what I got. It was a typical day at Dunder Mifflin Scranton. I didn't tell him any of that. It was a typical day at Dunder Mifflin, Scranton, until Michael walked in the office wearing boxing gloves. Everyone listen up, he exclaimed. Toby and I are entering into a boxing contest, and we're going to win the championship of the Scranton Boxing Association. The entire office stared at him in disbelief. If you watch that show, this is exactly how a lot of episodes start off. You're, and it's a typical office. I think what makes it funny, and, it, and there are lots of people who don't really like this show because it's very cringeworthy because it's a little bit too real, Sometimes, but it's a regular office. People sitting at desks and they sell paper. So it's kind of this, you know, seems like a boring thing, although that's an incredibly important company, obviously. And so this is how it starts. Michael walks in and he says this. The office stares at him in disbelief. Many episodes begin the same way. And then it goes on. You're going to box Toby? Jim asked incredulously. Yes, I am, Michael replied confidently. I've been training for months and I'm ready to take him down. Pam looked concerned. Michael, are you sure this is a good idea? Of course it is, Pam. I'm in the best shape of my life, Michael boasted. Toby, who had been sitting quietly at his desk, finally spoke up. Michael, I don't think you understand. Boxing isn't just about being in good shape. It takes skill and technique. Michael waved him off. I got plenty of skill and technique. I've been watching Rocky movies for years. See, that's kind of funny, right? That's, uh, that's something Michael would say in that show. You know, oh, come on, Toby, it'll be fun. Think of the office bragging rights, Michael pleaded. Toby sighed, fine, but don't say I didn't warn you. Now, it kind of doesn't work after that because it, it didn't pick up on the idea that, that Michael does not like Toby at all. So the funny part I thought would be that they would end up boxing each other. But you can give it some more information. But it writes a whole episode. And then I went to Seinfeld. And, I, and I've thought, you know, it wrote this episode in a few seconds, and obviously you wouldn't turn that in for production, but it gives you a plot, it gives you some lines, and it gives you some ideas, and you can have it redo it. So I actually had it redo it, and it kind of put out a few different things, and the only thing it wasn't really catching on to is the character dynamic that if you watch that show between Michael and Toby. Michael is the office manager. Toby is the HR guy who really works for the larger corporation, and uh, Michael just doesn't like that guy. It didn't pick up on that, but Otherwise, pretty good. Now, here's the Seinfeld one. 
I said this. Did you ever watch Seinfeld? Remember that program when it came out? Okay. Uh, most people, I think, watched that show. Uh, you're listening to the Pastor Scott Show. The number is 888-528-2557. And uh, we're talking about chat GPT and how it is affecting our and artificial intelligence, how it will affect our lives. Seinfeld episode, this is what I said. I said, write me a Seinfeld episode where Kramer discovers he's related to Walt Disney and tries to convince George and Jerry to help him sue Disney into giving him ownership rights. Meanwhile, Elaine starts dating a man who plays Goofy at Disney theme parks. Uh, that's a pretty good, see, I can write, you know, I can, I've got some idea of how this show would work, but that's all I gave it. And I'm telling you, in 30 seconds, this is what I got. The episode opens with Jerry and George sitting in Jerry's apartment, often how that show would begin, discussing their latest comedic, comedic material. Kramer bursts in, which is what he did, wearing a top hat and tails. Hey guys, I got some big news, he exclaims. What's up, Kramer? Jerry asks. I just found out I'm related to Walt Disney, Kramer announces triumphantly. George scoffs. That's ridiculous. You don't even know who your parents are, which I thought was brilliant because we don't know anything about in that show. If you watch it, anything about Kramer really and where he comes from, hardly at all. Kramer waves him off. That's just a minor detail. The point is I'm entitled to a piece of the Disney fortune. Jerry rolls his eyes. Kramer, you can't just sue Disney and expect to win. It's not that simple. Kramer shakes his head. Oh, you've little face. With your help, we can take down the mouse house and claim what's rightfully mine. George looks skeptical. What's in it for us? Kramer grins. I'll cut you in on the profits, of course. We'll be millionaires. Meanwhile, Elaine is on a date with a man named Dave who plays Goofy at the Disney theme parks. They're sitting in a crowded restaurant when Dave suddenly stands up and starts doing the Goofy laugh. <laughs> he cackles loudly, causing the other diners to stare. Elaine looks embarrassed. Dave, can you please stop? You're attracting a lot of attention. Can you, If you watch that show... That is exactly the type of thing that would happen in this show. There'd be the main plot of Kramer trying to sue Disney for ownership because somehow he's related to, to Walt Disney. And in the meantime, Elaine is dating some guy named Dave who happens to be goofy at the theme parks. Dave looks hurt, but I thought you'd like it when I did the voice and Elaine sighs. It's cute, but maybe not in public. Back at Jerry's apartment, Jerry and George are still trying to convince Kramer that suing Disney is a bad idea. Kramer, it's not worth the hassle, Jerry argues. Just let it go. But Kramer won't be determined. I have a right to my family's legacy, and I won't let Disney take it away from me. And then the rest of what, it, what ChatGPT put out there is just sort of a summary. And the summary says, as the episode progresses, Kramer becomes increasingly obsessed with his plan to sue Disney, while Elaine struggles to balance her feelings for Dave and her embarrassment at his goofy persona. In the end, Kramer's lawsuit fails miserably, and he's left with nothing to show for his efforts except for a large legal bill. Elaine decides to break up with Dave, realizing that she can't handle his public antics. And Jerry and George sit back amused at yet another one of Kramer's harebrained schemes. That is a Seinfeld episode. Would you say that? You've probably seen it, Wilbur. Hey, that's what I mean. Would you say that works? I would say that works. See, I mean, you got to fill it out a little bit, right? You got to take some time to make it work. But, but that took thirty seconds, and as, an idea I came as up someone with. Someone who's seen both shows, I would say those seem like very plausible plots. They are, and that is incredible. That's why people think that this thing might be taking over our jobs. And I'm watching the Writers Guild strike, and I'm thinking, I don't know, guys. You guys are going to have to learn this program. Yeah, someone who's seen – I've been following it on Twitter, and I, I follow a lot of writers and things like that. And all of them – some of them have that, like, written on their picket sign. What does it say? Uh, I saw one say, the only AI I want in the writer's room is Alan Iverson. <laughs> 
that's pretty good. See, they're yeah, writers. So, you know, I mean, they're writing jokes it's a, you know, it's a, this is a weird world. And the scary part for it, for me, is that it's taking away of, you know, sort of the human heart to it. And you, you can't get that. So it goes even beyond this. And the, you know, and the idea, though, I think is that's going to drive these changes, of course, economics. You know, how many writers does a studio need? So I just, within 30 seconds off the top of my head, and I'm not a professional writer, with AI, I wrote a pretty good episode of Seinfeld. And I bet me and Wilbert could come up with it, and it would be almost as good as anything that Larry David and company would put out for that show. So that's a huge deal. That's a huge deal. Now, let me, let me take it a step further. Think about that in terms of your job. Or what about your doctor? CNN reported this week that people put in into ChatGPT questions that they would ask their doctor, and 80% of people thought that ChatGPT's answers were better and more empathetic than their own doctors. Would you go to an artificial intelligence doctor over your own doctor? And you, you, know, you probably say no, right? But if the copay was a lot less or there's no copay, maybe you do. I don't want an artificial intelligence doctor. I want to have a doctor who's skeptical, right? I want to have a doctor who reads what's in the medical journals and keeps up to speed with everything that's going on, but that asks questions, that has doubt, that that challenges the notions that are often put forward and not just walking through it. This is a very interesting and important thing for us to understand. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show. The number is 888-528-2557. If you want to join the conversation, would you go to an artificial intelligence doctor? Um, one of the other stories that was a big deal that came out this uh, is that the guy who's considered the godfather of ChatGPT, the godfather of this kind of artificial intelligence, has quit working at Google because he's afraid of his own invention that it's basically Frankenstein that he believes that he has built. Here's something that he said about it. It's one of those things where there's no way that people weren't going to explore it. Um, the issue is now that we've discovered it works better than we expected a few years ago, um, what do we do to mitigate the long-term risks of um, things more intelligent than us taking mm. control? Let's talk about those risks, because you've said that you're worried about bad actors. What worries you the most about what could be used with this technology? So there's a lot of things that a lot of other people have talked about to do with um, being able to produce lots of fake, lots of text automatically so you can get lots of very effective spam bots. Um, it'll allow authoritarian leaders to... Um, manipulate their electorates, things like that. So he's talking about, that is uh, Jeffrey Hinton, and he has worked for Google. He's one of the developers of this. He now says he regrets it. He regrets it because he's afraid of it, and he believes that it learns so fast, and it is so capable that it can be used for the bad in the wrong hands. And he's worried about politics and authoritarian leaders using it badly. You know how that works? It works because with artificial intelligence, it's not just the text. It's now there is the ability to actually change you know, and create fake voices, even fake video of famous people. So I'm gonna, let me play you two clips. These are two clips. These two clips are from our vice president, Kamala Harris. Both are in video format. They're going viral on the internet. And I want you to hear these two clips, okay? Here you go, ready? Now this is from a speech that she gave uh, just uh, earlier this week. So 
I think it's very important, as you have heard from so many incredible leaders, for us at every moment in time, and certainly this one, to see the moment in time in which we exist and are present, and to be able to contextualize it, to understand where we exist in the history and in the moment as it relates not only to the past but the future. Now, Kamala Harris, now here's my question. Is that quote for real? Did she really say that? And there's a video and everything of it. Did she say that or not? Here's another clip from the same speech. Today is today. And yesterday was today yesterday. Tomorrow will be today tomorrow. So live today. So the future today will be as the past today as it is tomorrow. Now, (laughs) that is Kamala Harris from the same speech in the same outfit. Which one is fake? One of those is totally fake. Now, if you're listening carefully, you probably can figure it out, right? Uh, That one of those is fake and one of those is real. But which one would you say it is? You know, it is a remarkable thing. And when you're watching it, okay, so I was watching this video today, and I'm, I'm watching these two different clips, and I'm going, the voices don't sound exactly the same, but it, unfortunately, does sound like something Kamala Harris would actually say. And the one that is not real is this one. Today is today. And yesterday was today, yesterday. But see, as tomorrow this is going on, will be today, tomorrow. As this is going on, you see so her waving today. her arms. She's in the same outfit. So the future today and it seems will be real. as the past today, as it is tomorrow. Now, in that particular clip, here's what it is: the voice is actually not AI. The voice is a impersonator who does this Kamala Harris impersonation, and it's. It's drop. It's just die laughing. It is so spot on. Her facial expressions, everything. It's it's remarkable. But somebody took her impression, impersonation and put it in a AI video of Kamala Harris. And it, when you look really closely, you can tell that her lips don't quite line up, but it's very close. And that's one of the things that Dr. Hinton, the who's known as the godfather of artificial intelligence, is worried about that this technology is moving so fast that somebody who is really good, you know, when the technology gets a little bit better, it's still not quite there, when it gets a little bit better, people are going to be able to make fake political commercials or statements of their opponents saying things that they didn't actually say that are not really true. And they could put it in an ad or they don't even have to do that. They just let it go. So that statement about Kamala talking about today was yesterday was today and today is today that sounds like something she would say and it's going viral because whoever put that together made it look real and i would say the majority of people who are watching that clip today think it's think it's real you're probably you probably saw it It probably got sent to you somewhere on your instagram and you're dying laughing but it's it's true that is one of the things that people are concerned about with the uh, the chat gpt and it is it's very remarkable. Here's something else. Somebody put this together. It's completely fake, obviously, but it is uh, presidents who are on a quiz show. Here you go, on Jeopardy. 
Everybody's fake in this clip. Everybody is fake in this clip. President Obama, you may begin. Uh, let's start with classic video games for 200. Sporting a mustache and overalls, two Italian plumbers must traverse the Mushroom Kingdom to rescue a princess. Joe. Uh, what is The Legend of Zelda? No. Donald. What is Super Mario Brothers? You got it. Give me words for 200. This red fruit grows on trees, has a core and stem, and shares its name with a popular tech company. Barack. Uh, what is an apricot? Incorrect. <laughs> you know, I thought the voice that was the best in there actually was Alex Trebek. Uh, but they're getting better. I've heard some that are pretty good. You see, that's an interesting thing uh, about this. And so let me ask you something. Do you see the positive side of all of this? Do you see the the a positive side for artificial intelligence? It's going to happen. All right. It is something that is going to be on the scene, and I don't think it's avoidable. It's been invented. The cat is out of the bag. The uh, I was trying to think of the other ones I was going to say. What is it? The barn door is open and the, the horse is out of the stable or one of those things that people say. What is that? Anyway, it's a it's a very... It's a very real thing that's going on. Let me ask you this. Would you want your pastor to be using ChatGPT to write a sermon? I used ChatGPT to write a sermon on 1 John a few weeks ago on this show, and it took 15 seconds, and the sermon was excellent, except for it made one mistake. It took a verse from the Gospel of John and applied it to 1 John, and so it made an error, but the rest of it was a very good summary of uh, 1 John. What do you think? 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. We'll be right back. Pastor Scott's show continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. AI is essentially wisdom in a can. And so it's giving more power to all workers, but especially those average workers. So if you take an, an AI, for instance, and give it medical AI, give it to a nurse, he or she is much more capable than they were before, the doctor too, a little bit. So I think this AI will be uplifting to the middle class because it's, in essence, the most expensive, most d- talented workers are people who have 20 years experience and know how to apply that. That's what AI does overnight. So I think it will be uplifting for the middle class. That's, that's my, but it will be extremely di- disruptive in the sense that every job will change. There'll be automation of certain things, and everybody will learn how to deal with it. Or what I, I say on Twitter all the time is AI won't take your job. It's somebody using AI that'll take your job. That was Richard Baldwin. He's an economist and a professor of international economics at the Graduate Institute of International and Development Studies in Geneva. And he is an expert on sort of global innovation and trade. And he is very positive about artificial intelligence and AI, but aware of the fact that it's going to change people's jobs and it's going to alter things. In the meantime, there are many people, including um, Jeffrey Hinton, who was one of the inventors of AI at Google, and also Elon Musk, many of whom have signed a letter saying that we need to stop its development until we can be sure that it's not going to destroy humanity. Those are the words that they use. 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. 
Gill in Rancho Cucamonga. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi, good afternoon, Pastor. Hello, Gil. How are you? Yeah, uh, great, great. Thanks for asking. How are you? I hope you're okay, too. I'm doing well. So what do you think about this AI? Do you have an uh, opinion? Do you use it? Are you concerned about it? How does it affect you? Well, I am very concerned about it. I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like AI. You know, have, Pastor, have you have you heard about deep fake? Deep, deep fake. Yes, yes, I have. That's uh, part of what I yes. played a moment ago with the fake That's Kamala Harris clip. Correct. So that is those those deep fake videos. When I heard that Kamala Harris video that you played, I was really said, "Oh wow, that's scary." Because see, Kamala Harris, they're making a video of her already, and what more else? If they make a video of some world leader there and declaring something bad or anything, that's why I don't like AI. Yeah, that's I, I think what some of the concerns are about it. Yes, Pastor. That's all I wanted to say about the deep fake thing, you know, because I know that was deep fake, the one that they, they were playing on the video. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All right, Gil. So, thank you. Thank you for calling. Okay, thank and you so uh, much. Thank you for, your, for answering my call, too. Thank you so much. I appreciate that very much. God bless your program. Thank you, Gil. Thank you very much. The number is 888-528-2557. We're talking about is deep fake. And it's another thing that people are doing. The, the Kamala one, if you watch the video, it's not even that great, honestly enough, as far you know, as far as how they did it. There is a, a famous guy on social media. It's the deep fake Tom Cruise, and he looks and sounds just like him, and it's not him. And he's doing it to demonstrate this technology and how well it works. I didn't realize it wasn't him for a long time. And uh, it's uh, it is a it's a shocking thing. Some of the other statements that were made by Jeffrey Hinton, the Godfather, as he's known of AI, uh, was not just that it might be used for political reasons and by uh, authoritarian leaders. He also had this to say: "I'm not really talking about those. There's another particular thing I want to talk about, which is the existential risk of what happens when these things get more intelligent than us. So quite recently, I've come to the conclusion that." the kind of intelligence we're developing is very different from the intelligence we have. Mm. We're biological systems, and these are digital systems. And the big difference is that with digital systems, you have many copies of the same set of weights, the same model of the world. And all these copies can learn separately, but share their knowledge instantly. So it's as if you had 10,000 people, and whenever one person learned something, everybody automatically knew it. And that's how these chaps can know so much more than any one person. So basically he's saying is that the the kind of intelligence, the kind of brain power, if you will, of artificial intelligence, it's so much smarter and so much faster than what a human brain can do. It can have – I don't know if smart's the right word, honestly, because I don't think it has wisdom, right? It has It has information. It has access to more information than any human being can actually have. And because it's like a, a net of different computers together and it's, it is containing all the information basically that is being poured into it, I, we should call it Skynet just for the sake of argument. And Skynet is this chat GPT that is gaining all this information so fast. And part of it, I think, is that we will rely on it for important truths without understanding that it can be wrong and it wouldn't know that it's wrong or what some people think is that it will know that it's wrong and it won't care 
uh, that it it some there was a guy at Google who quit because he was saying it's become sentient that it's alive, and it's clearly not alive, but it is shocking technology. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. Dave in Santa Anda, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hey, Pastor Scott, thank you for uh, thank you for the show. <clears throat> Doing a great job, by the way, and thank you. And also bring bringing this up, I think that. This is a, uh, I mean, things are moving rapidly, but ultimately this is going towards uh, replacing mankind as we know it. And uh, there's actually a video as well, I think it's in Japan, where somebody who had been deceased, uh, grandmother. Yes. And they had basically made this person to be alive, interacting, having a tea, I mean, the whole bit. So, I mean, all this, it speaks to me of man's attempt to uh, replace replace God and, and never die because machines will keep them alive or whatnot. But I wanted to mention, I don't know if you heard what Amazon is doing. Um, they are actually looking to buy publishers' uh, writings outright. You mean like to buy the, uh, the copyrighted material and, and own it? Own it outright yeah. so that they basically can, um, if at any point in time they need to modify or want to modify what the intent of the original author was, they can do it. And so I think that by doing that, um, ultimately, it's it goes back to, you know, it goes back to truth. Test all things in light of truth. Yeah, it's a very Orwellian, a very Orwellian thing that because of this, you could actually change the past. You're not really changing the past, but if you could control all of the information about the past, you could change it all to fit a different narrative. So if you start changing, let's say, original, uh, let's just let's just pick the Bible, for example. Yeah. And they start rewriting what was written in there so that people who read it are reading somebody else's agenda. That's right. It's And it's something that it's, you know, and when people say this, and I've got a story about this, Dave, that when people say stuff like this, I think that a lot of people listening are like going, nah, that's not going to happen or that wouldn't happen. But the reason that all of these people, including this guy at Google who resigned his position so he could speak out against AI, the technology he invented, the reason that Elon Musk, who also has been behind a lot of this development, is speaking out against it is because it's grown into something that has um, what one person wrote in an open letter. Elon Musk wrote this, that it has profound risks to society and humanity. And what you're talking about is part of it. it. We can actually completely erase the scriptures in this case digitally or even history. In different ways. Dave, thanks for calling the uh, Pastor Scott Show. The The number is 888-528-2557. The story I was going to tell is one time I, in preaching, I said to people, hey, uh, you know, open up your Bibles. Or I said, go ahead and open up your apps. And I just kind of put that into my usual we're opening up our Bibles now and turn to the you know, first chapter of Hebrews or whatever we're studying. And I would say open your Bibles or go ahead and open up your app because so many people bring their their phone now to church and it's got the Bible on it. And in a way... It's a great thing that the Bible is with you wherever you are. There's reading plans. You have you can be in line in the supermarket and and read your Bible. There's there's no excuse today for most people for not having your Bible or not reading it because you got it. There's a lot of positive things to that. But after that, the first time I did that, or maybe it was one or two times when I did that, somebody came up to me and she was pretty upset, and she was saying, you know, not not necessarily at me, but just at what a huge issue this is. And she says you have to encourage people to get printed versions of their Bible. You have to encourage people to go out and buy Bibles that are printed 
because one day the day will come and if everything's digital, somebody could just change it, just like what we just heard. And, you know, as I've thought about that, she's right. You need to make sure that you've got a a printed version of your, your Bible, that you've got one that in case that happens, because the way things work digitally, and we're already seeing this these changes in the children's books, you know, uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and different things where they're actually making changes to fit with uh, today a left-wing agenda. Digitally speaking, you can make that change. One individual could actually make a change on the digital version of every copy out there because it just downloads the upgraded version to your phone. You don't even necessarily know that it happened, that it got upgraded. It's amazing. And it is scary that that can happen. It's super Orwellian. So her point was, go out and get yourself a printed Bible. Make sure that you've got some copies of that, because one day maybe you can't trust your digital Bible. And as odd as that sounds, and as much I don't like to go down kind of those those roads on things, on this one, we're, we're steamrolling ahead towards a time where that is going to be a legitimate risk. 888-528-2557. Ted, City of Angels. How you doing, Ted? How you doing, Pastor? I'm good. What do you think about this AI stuff? Well, I mean, I just want to back up, back up to Elon Musk. I mean, you know, we know that police used to do, you know, do a lot of radar for how, how fast you're going, and they got side effects. Uh, we know when the cell phones, we're holding them up to our ear, people were getting tumors on the side of their head. Uh, the first time 15 years ago when I got into a hybrid car, I could feel the current. I told the contractor, get me out of this car. He took me home, and I never have been in the car since. Because I'm sober, and I was 10 years at that time, now I'm 25, I could feel the current. Hmm. And we know there's side effects to this uh, 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 radioactive current that goes on in these vehicles. And these people think they're so smart driving around like they're better than us. Hey, hey, I'm not paying for gas. Well, eventually, you may as well put that in a separate account for your doctor bill because you're just a guinea pig. You know, you well, you don't know what the side effects are. Yeah. Well, Ted, I don't. I, don't, I know there's studies on on those things. I don't know that it's conclusive, but you know, we are surrounded by a whole lot of uh, electric current and uh, different uh, radio waves of different kinds. You know, everywhere we go, and there's definitely a. Right a concern, you know, about the cell phones and other things. What this gets to, and uh, Ted, i got to go to a break. Thanks for your call. Okay. What, what this gets to is a technology that Elon Musk has been a part of where they would actually implant your brain with a computer chip, and that's where some of this is headed, is that your your thoughts could actually be, um, and, your, and your personality could actually be altered because of a chip in your brain, and you know, this just sounds like science fiction, right? This sounds like the Terminator, and it sounds like, but this is the direction it's going. And the the letters from Elon Musk and other people, this is what these developers said in their letter, that developers are locked in an out-of-control race to develop and deploy ever more powerful digital minds so that no one, not even their creators, can understand, predict, or reliably control. That's an incredible, incredible statement. Um, All of these things and one caller was mentioning it, have a spiritual element to it. And it has to do with the truth and knowing what the truth is. We'll come back to that subject when we return. This is the Pastor Scott Show. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com. 
or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Today is today. And yesterday was today yesterday. Tomorrow will be today tomorrow. So live today. So the future today will be as the past today as it is tomorrow. That is a fake, fake Kamala Harris uh, clip there. But if you're just tuning in, you might have thought, well, that's for real, because unfortunately, it sounds like it could be. But it's a combination, this clip. It's going around the interwebs today. It's pretty viral. And actually, the voice is an impersonator who is on social media. And it's her her act as Kamala, Kamala Harris is hilarious. Uh, and uh, she gets her voice pretty close. But what somebody did was they took that that impersonation of Kamala Harris, and they put it over a speech with artificial intelligence. And when you watch it, it looks like she's really saying it, and it looks like part of a speech that's real. And you have to really look close to notice that the the lips aren't moving. In fact, when I first heard it, I thought it was real. I thought, I'm going to play that today and make some kind of joke about the writer's strike and how Kamala needs writers and why doesn't she use her writers or something like that. And then I thought, it's so weird even for her. I got to look into it. And sure enough, it wasn't real. But it was – it's a scary thing that that can happen, 888-528-2557. So we've been talking about artificial intelligence and where it's going. We can't ignore it. And if I make a point about it, it's really – we. this is not something that we can ignore because the concerns that people have about it are very real, that the, a future is coming where people are going to be unable to tell the difference between what a politician or leader actually said versus something that's made up. Or it could be just a friend. Or it could be somebody on the radio. It can be somebody in your workplace. And the access to this technology is its right there for you. It's something that you can do today. In fact, uh, artists are having all kinds of different problems with it because uh, there's photo versions, right? Somebody had these artificial intelligence photos of Donald Trump getting arrested a few weeks ago. The idea was when that thing happened in New York, what would it look like if he actually were arrested? And there was all these pictures that looked very real of police officers leading him away in handcuffs and Donald Trump sitting in uh, getting processed in jail and all these different things. And none of it was real. And it's it is a a very interesting thing. So I think for us as believers, if you're a follower of the Lord, these are parts of the reasons why we're told as soon as we get to uh, the end times, but really at any time. Do not be deceived. I think that there is so much more weight to that, because I've always taken that myself as don't be deceived, and it's pretty much about theological or doctrinal deception, right? That maybe you've got uh, bad theology or you are led away by a false teacher, and for sure that's a big part of it. But I think when Jesus is warning us about this, he's talking about the nature of the world in general and just about everything else, that we need to watch out or else we will be deceived, And when you're deceived, you don't know you're deceived. That's why you're deceived. That's why it's such a terrible thing. You think that photo is real. You think that voice you heard is real. You think that really was the vice president. You really think that Donald Trump endorsed this show. You really, with the clip that Wilbert made the other day, you really have these ideas when you're deceived and you don't question it because you're deceived. That's the danger of being deceived. That's the danger of even having a false doctrine or false idea of who the Lord is. And I think that the way to fight back, 
because I think that this technology is here to stay. I think it's going to alter our jobs. It's going to alter the economy. It's going to alter a lot of things. And as human beings, we're just going to have to navigate it. We're going to have to navigate these technologies. And maybe Jesus is coming back soon and we won't have to worry about it too long. Or maybe we're going to have World War III and we're going to become farmers, those of us who survive. Um, But probably we're, you know, honestly, statistically, we're just going to move into the future with these new technologies, with a new set of of elements in our life that we have to question, a new set of elements in our life that we have to really try to understand and discern. And can I just give you an old answer that I think is the right answer for this? Believers, you've got to know your Bible, but not just the stories and not just the parts that kind of affect you. You know, we spend a lot of time dealing with sometimes the parts of Scripture that bring us comfort or that help us give us help us have understanding because of something we're particularly going through. But there are doctrines, there is a theological structure that matters because when you have that structure called systematic theology, when you understand basic doctrines, and yes, there are some differences of ideas between different denominations stuff, but the major pieces we agree on that we're saved by faith, that we're saved by the death and resurrection of Christ, that he really died for our sins and he really did rise again from the grave. There are certain things that if you are a Christian, you believe those things. You might have a different opinion of how baptism ought to be practiced or a different idea of maybe even what communion or the Lord's Supper means. There are things that we don't agree on, but the big picture things, the things that really matter, they fit together in like puzzle pieces. And in fact, the whole Bible fits together like puzzle pieces. This is why it matters, because when we have that, that, those pieces to the puzzle and we see how they fit together, it protects us from falsehood. It protects us from things being said or things being changed in such a way. It causes us to ask questions when you have the information. And this is a big deal. I think that the believers who are going to navigate these times are the believers who spend that time trying to understand the Scripture. And don't be afraid of it. And I assure you that you are smart enough, okay, for it. There are things in the Bible that not everybody, in fact, there are some things in there that nobody really understands. I was fortunate to study under um, one professor who, his name was Ron Youngblood was his name. And if you've got an NIV study Bible, he's the guy who wrote a lot of the notes that are on the bottom. NIV study Bible has little explanatory notes at the bottom. And uh, he wrote those. I mean, that's who this guy is. He he passed away a few years ago. He's such a humble guy. Well, I'll never forget in a class, he never talked about his resume or the things that he did, right? He was just super humble. And if you didn't know that he was that at that area level of scholarship, you just wouldn't know. Well, one time somebody asked him a question about an Old Testament passage that's complicated. And um, he gave his resume all of a sudden in class. He told us all the different things that he's worked on and all the awards he's gotten and how much he knows about Hebrew and all the stuff. He just gave it all there. And then he said, and I have no idea what that means. Right? There, are, there are certain things in the Bible that even the top scholars aren't too certain about, but most of the Bible is very understandable. And the parts that you have to struggle with a little bit, there are teachers who are gifted by the Holy Spirit to uh, explain those things to you. And you can do it. And we shouldn't be afraid of it. I think this matters greatly in a world where there is going to be so much uh, manipulation, manipulation of facts, manipulations of the things that we see, manipulations of history, of news, and things like that. The way out of being fearful about this is to just trust in the Lord like we're called to do anyway for any reason. 
you trust the Lord, you learn his word, you make sure that you have a grasp of that, you make it a regular part of your life to study, and you do that, and I truly believe that you will not fear these future technologies. You will be wise enough to outmaneuver them, and that's what it takes because these computers with all the knowledge and information they have, they don't have wisdom. And wisdom is something that we're already lacking, and wisdom is something that we need in order to get through this. Well, everybody, thank you for listening to the Pastor Scott Show. You can get our podcast by going to Spotify, looking for the Pastor Scott Show. You can also go to the radio station website. Go to keyword Scott, and you'll find the information about our show and how you can connect. I want to encourage you to tell your friends about the Pastor Scott Show. You can link them directly to our show at those websites or the podcast. And you can find me on social media. Scott Furrow usually is how you find it. Scott Furrow on Twitter and on Facebook and the Scott Furrow on Instagram. And we'd love to connect with you on there. If you're a real person, I will follow you back. That's how it works. You can also send me an email at pastorscott at kkla.com. All right. God bless you. We're on every weekday from three to five live. And I look forward to chatting with you then. Have a great day. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.